Before we get going with this week's show, word from a few of our friends. Let's start with BetMakers. For the first time in over a century, fixed odds betting powered by BetMakers will be available on track at Monmouth Park, and soon it will be available throughout the state. This is an exciting new way to bet that really puts the power to get value in your hands. The odds you bet are the odds you get. You'll be hearing a lot more about fixed odds betting opportunities across the In The Money media network. And also a word from our friends out at Santa Anita Park in Arcadia, California. Santa Anita's average late pick five payout on Saturdays and Sundays is over 4700 bucks for a 50-cent bet. Huge wagering opportunities on Gold Cup weekend, May 28th through May 30th. You've got Gold Rush Day. On Saturday, it includes five competitive Cal bred races with a $500,000 guaranteed late pick five. You can compete in the $500 live money challenge Saturday on Express Bet or on track. On track players have a chance at winning a $5,000 bonus. Hollywood Gold Cup Day is on Monday. It includes three grade ones, a $500,000 guaranteed late pick five, and the 20 cent rainbow pick six mandatory payout and also compete in the $1,500 Gold Cup Challenge on Express Bet or on track with NHC spots and Pegasus World Cup seats available. On track players will also have a chance at winning another $5,000 bonus. And as always, don't forget about the Golden Hour wagers. You've got the Golden Hour pick four. You've got the Golden Hour double. $1 minimum for the pick four. $5 minimum for the pick five, uh, excuse me, for the double. Uh, 12% takeout. It's a player-friendly wager. Definitely want to take a look at that and support it. It's a combination of Santa Anita and Golden Gate Fields out on the West Coast. Our friends at Santanita always doing great work. Now, on to this week's show. What's happening? Welcome to the Matt Bernier Show, part of the In The Money Media Network. My name is Matt Bernier. You can follow me on Twitter, at Bernier underscore Matt. Today is Monday, May the 16th, 2022. It's episode 115 of the show. However you listen to this thing, thank you for doing so. Uh, You can find the podcast basically anywhere you download or listen to your pods. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, InTheMoneyPodcast.com. You can also watch along or listen along over on YouTube. Search bar Matt Bernier Show. You will get this episode along with the 114 prior Uh, And as always, wherever you find this show, please rate, review, subscribe. If you are over on YouTube, make sure that bell icon is lit up. That way you get notified anytime new content is uploaded to the In The Money Media channel. And I suppose that goes for the podcast feeds as well. Just make sure that you've got notifications on. When new pods show up, you're notified. Uh, Been a minute. Been a minute. A few things have happened since last time I saw or or, or chatted with with everyone. Uh, And honestly, today's show is going to be, there is no structure to it. It's going to be a lot of me just rambling. Um, But going back, I mean, shoot, probably a week and a half now at this point. We'll go back to Friday, Kentucky Oaks Day. And I'll just give you kind of a play-by-play from there on uh, to where we are now. Talking Oaks, Derby, Preakness upcoming. Talk about some sports. Stanley Cup playoffs, NBA playoffs. Uh, you get the PGA Championship coming up this week. I got a guy that I love there. Um, and just again, it's a little bit of everything. There, there's no real rhyme or reason to what specifically is going on in this show. Uh, if anything, it is just as much 
for me to shake the rust off and get ready. I fly to Baltimore Thursday night for the Preakness. This coming up uh, Friday and Saturday. Friday will be Black Eyed Susan Day. We have a one-hour show on USA Network, I believe. And then Saturday, we will begin on CNBC and then transition over to NBC probably midway through the, the broadcast window. I think all the all five hours or whatever it is are going to be available on Peacock as well if you're so inclined. So let's go back to the Oaks Day. And uh, all things considered, good effort from Secret Oath. I'm not going to go through and do a deep dive. You've been able to go through and dissect the race probably 15 mil- in different ways. Um, in my opinion, it's really not much different than many of the others that you've heard out there. Both races had pace meltdowns. Um, a few of the horses that ran very well were the ones that were prominent throughout, and they just couldn't couldn't hack it just simply because the pace was off the charts, especially in the boys' race. But the girls' race was pretty swift as well. So Secret Oath gets the job done. Great story. Wayne Lucas back in the limelight. Um, you know, it's always good when Lucas has a good one. And immediately after the race, uh, I chatted with Nick Luck on, I guess, Sunday night of that weekend. And I said he was very noncommittal when Nick was chatting with him after the Oaks. But um, he had long sort of hinted at, you know, let's see how she runs in the Oaks and we can always wheel back in the Preakness. And I said, I feel like that effort, even though he didn't commit to it, felt like that was a good enough performance to to position her to run against the boys in two weeks in Baltimore. Then that dies down. A few hours later, my wife has a baby. So little Letty's upstairs. She just shit everywhere. Uh, had a big, big blowout. First proper blowout where clothes are destroyed, the whole nine. Um, so that's fun. That's part of it. But she's been great so far and she's fattening up nicely. It's always a good thing. Everybody loves a good fat little baby. Um, so she's... She's doing well. My wife's doing well. I'm doing well. We're working on the sleep thing. Um, but we're in the hospital for all of this stuff. So, you know, Oaks Day comes and goes. Baby's here. Derby Day shows up. Chatting with all the nurses and doctors and whatnot in the hospital. And race is getting closer and closer. And I go, look, I like Taba. Um, this is, I don't know, probably early afternoon. And in the midst of my own first personal diaper change, I had only ever changed one diaper before in my life, and that was with the help of the nurse. Um, this was the first one I was on. My wife's in the bed, and uh, I'm looking down and trying to figure out what I'm doing. And she goes, um, the baby's on TV. And I look up, and there's a picture of, of little Eddie. So that was very funny, and, and we all got a kick out of that, and I appreciate everybody at NBC for doing that. I know Nick and uh, Lindsay and, and Billy and all them and, and Edzo were kind of spearheading that. So that was a, a fun fun little wrinkle to Derby Day for us. Uh, and then a few hours later, the race comes. And I'm standing there watching it. And I go, okay, Epicenter's made his move. Moved a little early, but I, you know what? I'd rather be decisive and go for it. Uh, make sure you're not going to get stopped. Zandon follows him the whole way. Top of the lane. Looks like you're going to have a two-horse battle. And then you see a horse down on the inside. And I saw a red cap and I go, I can't figure out who that is. And I don't know if one of, oh, a couple, a few of the nurses, they came in right afterward, immediately after the race went. And I said, I, I think that was, I think that was the last horse to get into the race. He was a million to one. And sure enough, it was Rich Strike who goes, wins the race, 80 to one, brilliant ride the whole nine. Again, you've, you've heard it 15 different ways. Um, stunning result, implausible result. Uh, I, I've heard enough and, and watched enough things of, of folks saying, oh, did you miss something or did we miss something going through the handicapping? Uh, you can go through and try to go back and, and figure out something to glean from those past performances before the race. And if you do, I give you kudos. Good on you. 
Um, I'm very comfortable saying you, I, you could have given me a hundred, a thousand, 10,000, a hundred thousand opportunities. And I, I mean, I just, there's nothing on the paper that would suggest that horse is going to run that race. Uh, the pace was the key aspect to his victory. The ride from Sonny Leon, key aspect to his victory. Um, but no, I, I, I said it when I was chatting to Nick. I mean, he, he was 80 to one on the tote. He probably should have been 200, if not 300 to one. I mean, there was not one thing on that horse's resume that would suggest that a, a 101 or a 102 buyer speed figure was coming. There just wasn't. Um, and sometimes when that happens, you just say, hey, man, that's why they run the race. Random things happen and and things that, that are unforeseen, things that you d- there's just nothing that would pinpoint this horse running this race. So I said, no, no harm, no foul. And that's why I was trying to sort of bring that up in some of the, the shows leading into the Derby itself. The idea of, I mean, it, it is, we all get excited. We, we put a lot of time into going through these horses and whatnot for weeks and months. It is just one race. And if it was an 80 to one shot that won the, you know, the third at Gulfstream on a Friday, you know, we probably don't think twice about it. But because it's the Kentucky Derby, it, it became a big thing. So all that goes on. And immediately in my head, I'm thinking, well, this is fantastic because this horse is probably going to be eight to one. Maybe I, I pray he probably wouldn't have been any less than that. But let's say eight to ten to one in the Preakness. In my head, I go, you got no chance. And I don't mean this is a is a knock to the connections. But again, I'm I'm a numbers and circumstantial handicapper. And I, I in what scenario is he going to work out that kind of trip again and have all that sort of stuff work for him? Uh, maybe it would have happened, but I would have been willing to lose again. So I'm thinking, great. This is going to be good. Could be a really strong field. Epicenter might go. Zandon might go. We know early voting is going to go. We get confirmation Secret Oath is going to go. Add the Derby winner to it. Great. And then they withdraw him from the race because they want to wait and give him time for the Belmont. A um, lot of things have been all over the place on social. Um, I'm not going to get into the, the stuff coming from the trainer himself, uh, just for me, more the the broader scope of things. Uh, as is always the case, more than one thing can be true. It's not black or white. Everyone wants to make it out to be black or white. More than one thing can be true at a time. You can do right by the horse and say, you know what, if he's just not ready to go, give him some time. You can also acknowledge that that's not a good thing for the sport. Horse racing has the focus, the attention of the general public for max, max, four days of the year. And if you don't have a derby winner running in the Preakness, the the Preakness loses a little bit of its steam. And knowing that there then won't be a triple crown on the line, the Belmont certainly loses steam. And I'm stretching it to four, including Breeders' Cup Saturday, which, again, even from a broad standpoint... The general public, not nearly as big a deal as the Derby, the Preakness, the Belmont, um, regardless of what someone like myself believes, that the Breeders' Cup is really the the main event of the calendar. And I say four. It's probably closer to five or six. You want to include the Pegasus. You want to include some of the racing at Saratoga. Um, but the gist is, we got a handful of them. So 
If the horse isn't ready to go, that's totally fine. No one is going to begrudge people for, for not running a horse if they don't think he's good to go. I will say the, the flip side to that is we've seen the horse working out and jogging, and we've heard initially coming out of the race that, hey, yeah, no reason we're not going to go. Horse looks good. Something changed. What? I don't know. Um, but it is what it is. They don't want to go, so they're not going to go. Um, I'm comfortable saying they would have lost anyway, so saving themselves that. I'm relatively confident he's going to lose at, at Belmont. And again, I'm not saying this in a, in a negative light, but I mean, his only merit would be one race where everything broke in his favor. Um, his running style is not going to be conducive to success at Belmont Park. Uh, and my bigger thing, and, you know, I, I was wrong with the Derby, and I, I suppose it's possible with the Belmont as well, but even if you projected a complete meltdown and you wanted a, a closer, I mean, how far down the pecking order was he on the list of closers? He's probably last. Just just facts. It's, it's not to be rude, not to throw shade, but... And people, people get so offended and bent out of shape about just calling a spade a spade for whatever reason. I, I don't know anything about the horse. I don't know anything about the folks involved. I wish nothing but, but good for them. But, I mean, there was nothing about the horse that, that would make sense. So, good on you, but, I mean, I... I he didn't even run the, the best race in the Derby. That was Epicenter. And I know there are folks that don't believe in that sort of line of thinking that, well, the horse that won had to run the best race. I think it's a little narrow-minded. Again, a little more black and white than gray. But, you know, to each their own. So, we get through that. And then Zandon doesn't go. And we know... Uh, the Pletcher horses are going to wait for Belmont or other races. And Uno Ho, who would have been a long shot anyway, he's out now. Sounds like you can have a field of eight for the Preakness. And if I'm just looking at the field, now they're going to draw the race. I'm recording this right now at 2.30, 2.40 in the afternoon on Monday. They're going to draw the race this afternoon. I, I can't imagine a scenario in which Epicenter is not three to five. I, you know, I'm reading an article from uh, Marty McGee from the Daily Racing Forum, and at the bottom of it, um, he notes uh, Pimlico odds maker Keith Fustel said the favorites on his morning line will look something like this, assuming there are no major changes. Uh, Epicenter, he would have him listed at six to five. Um you know, early voting seven to two, secret oath nine to two, simplification eight to one. Uh, there's a couple other horses that will be involved. I I would be stunned if Epicenter is is anything more than four to five. I think he's probably closer to three to five, um, just because I, I think he towers over this field right now. Early voting could certainly improve. Um, secret oath, I. I Wish her nothing but the best. I think it would be fantastic if she ran a bang-up race. Um, she's just slow right now compared to Epicenter. And uh, the rest of the field, I mean, you know, I'll withhold my my official sort of 
feel for it because I'll go over the race and look at the PPs and I'll, I'll give you an answer uh, uh, during the broadcast on NBC on Saturday. But uh, I just, boy, doesn't he look, doesn't he just look like way the best in this field? We'll find out. Uh, all things considered, let me know what, what your thoughts are beneath the video player on YouTube about the Preakness um, or on Twitter at Bernie or underscore Matt about who you like or what you think you may like. Uh, the Black Eyed Susan has a full field that looks like. That'll be on Friday. Again, we'll have that as part of our one-hour window on, uh, I believe it's USA. Don't quote me on that. You can look it up on Friday, along with the Pimlico Special, which is a race I was already just kind of sifting through a little bit. Um, and then we'll have a, a number of races on, on Saturday uh, leading into the Preakness. So, you know, we'll find out how that race plays out and then what the field a few weeks from now at Belmont Park will look like going a mile and a half. Uh, and that'll be the last piece I will touch on before we, before I take a, a quick breath and then just transition into some riffing about some sports and we'll wrap up with a pick for the PGA coming up this week. Um, the notion of changing the Triple Crown. Again, m- more than one thing can be true. The, the way things are currently constituted, and this kind of ties back to Rich Strike, Assuming a horse is healthy, which we haven't been given any indication that he's not, for for a Derby winner to skip the Preakness, if I were involved with you know first racing, I would say it, it's are we losing out unjustly just simply because of the timing of this thing? It has nothing necessarily to do with the race itself. It just has everything to do with the modern way horses are trained. Very few of them. If you don't win the Derby, many of the horses are going to bypass. And you're going to have a, a fresh field of, of relative new shooters. And when I say new shooters, keep in mind, the reason that many of them are here is because they couldn't get into the Derby field. So inherently a weaker field. And that's not to Pimlico's fault or first racing's fault. It's just the way things are these days. So if you have people already looking at it saying, we're going to wait for the Belmont, including the Derby winner himself. I I mean, I would, I would think long and hard about the idea of moving it. And that's purely on a business standpoint. I know people are talking about tradition, this, that, and the other. I understand. But when push comes to shove, it's a business. And if I think I can get a better product at a different time, well, I mean, wouldn't I be crazy not to consider it? That's just my feeling, my opinion. I mean, I, again, I understand. I like tradition as much as anyone else. And people saying that the it would be watered down the Triple Crown if you move the dates and if you people bring up the idea of shortening the the Belmont Stakes. Each each group can basically do what they want, and. I mean, if they wanted to shorten the Belmont, go ahead. I I would hate that because the Belmont is my favorite of the three. I just think it's such a unique race. But so much of this is geared toward breeding. And that's a shame, one. But two, from a gambling and from an, uh, a, a sporting standpoint, I mean, ask yourself this. If this race were... So if the Belmont is going to be the first, the second weekend in June, if this race were 
at the end of July. So think of when the Jim Dandy is run at Saratoga. Think of when the Haskell is run at Monmouth. Um, you know, in that vein, what race would be better? Or would this be a, a fuller field? Would it be a more competitive field? And having said all this, I'm sure, uh, you know, Fenwick will go and win on Saturday at a million to one. But um, I, I just, I wouldn't fault an entity like First if they decided they wanted to move the race. Uh, I wouldn't fault Naira if they said, you know what, we want to shorten the, the Belmont. Um, I, I wouldn't do, I certainly wouldn't shorten the Belmont. I think you would be crazy not to at least be open. Doesn't mean you're going to do anything. But just to think about, hey, look, is our product being compromised because of just the way that these modern horses are trained? Point blank. It's kind of the the, the long and short of it. Um, we'll see how this race plays out on Saturday. Who knows? Maybe it'll be a one for the ages. But, boy, Epicenter looks like he's going to be tough. All right, take a quick break. All right, let's be brief here and wrap things up with a little just overview of some of the things going on in, in sports. Um, one of the more random things that happened was Cincinnati Reds effectively threw a no-hitter, not an official one, because uh, I believe you have to actually play or, or, or be on the field for a full nine innings, but uh, threw a no-hitter and uh, lost one nothing. That sums up Cincinnati Reds in a nutshell. Uh, NBA playoffs, Celtics, ballsy come back. Series victory over the Bucks. Um, Suns, terrible, terrible, terrible. It's as if they didn't realize Game 7 was Game 7. Doors blown off by the Mavs. Uh, I'll just say it now. Should be a tremendous NBA Finals between the Boston Celtics and Golden State Warriors. Uh, I'm sure if uh, Tom Espinosa is listening, he would agree with that. Uh, I, I love watching Luka, and you know the team Miami is very good, but... I just think Boston and Golden State are the better better teams, and, and it would set up a really nice NBA Finals. Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, I will be back over on NBCSportsEdge.com. Actually, I sent something in today previewing the Round 2 matchups. If you looked at my preview for Round 1, 8 for 8 in the first round, as far as the series winners are concerned. No real upsets in there. But a couple of the games we, you know, uh, me and uh, Josh Wagner is also over there on NBC Sports Edge. Um, you know, we, we smoked out a couple of, of tight things that, you know, the the Flames were going to have their hands full with Dallas. Um, unbelievable, unbelievable performance from Jake Ottinger last night. That's part of the reason. It actually worked out well. I stayed up late watching the game, wrapped up at like 1, 110, something like that on the East Coast, then had to feed the baby. Didn't get to bed until... 215 or whatever but that's the norm these days um but beyond that the interesting thing was so many of the games in the first round the series were all tight but the games many of them sucked they were blowouts they, the teams were trading five to one six to two you know four and one like it just just lopsided games uh you did get some good ones though the, the game sevens were fabulous um you know Toronto and Tampa, that was a, a barn burner. I would be fearful if I were in the Eastern Conference, or I guess anyone in general, including the West. It looks like, finally, Vasilevsky has gotten his stuff together. Uh, we'll find out if, if that is enough to get them through this this next uh, series in, in round two against Florida. I think it is. Uh, I, Florida, I just don't know that they can continue to afford to get behind 
It's one thing to do it against Washington, who is a good team. Boy, if you do that against Tampa, I think Tampa is going to make you pay. Um, I think Carolina is going to blow the doors off of the Rangers. The, statistically, the Rangers, it's a minor miracle they got out of that series with Pittsburgh. Uh, and I don't think much of Pittsburgh. I think Carolina is a really good team. Um, they held serve over Boston. You know, home ice prevailed. I think I have them winning in five games over the Rangers, unless Shesterkin stands on his head, which is entirely possible. Uh, and then on the West Coast, uh, I actually I went with Edmonton to upset Calgary in the uh, Battle of Alberta. Uh, you know, the the Oilers will go as Mike Smith goes, but also McDavid, if he could go to another level, he did in Game Seven, which was terrifying because he was just he was everywhere. And it, it feels like maybe this is this is the time. This is his time, where he's going to take this thing over and say, "Look, no more, no more of this nonsense. Get on my back. We're going." Uh, so I've Edmonton winning that series, and not, admittedly, a little bit of it is selfish because I've got uh, some live tickets to them. But I, I picked the Blues over the Avalanche. I've got the Blues to win the West, and I've got Blues to win the Stanley Cup Final. Um, so I'm hopeful that they can get the job done. Colorado looked fantastic, but to be fair, they, they played an undermanned Nashville team in round one. I think that the water will get much deeper here. You know, St. Louis's thing, they've never been one of the best five-on-five teams, but their special teams all season was great, and it continues to be fantastic. I still think Husso is the better of the two netminders, but this time of year, I have no beef with riding the hot hand, and it's an experienced hot hand in Jordan Bennington. So... Uh, I have I have uh, St. Louis getting the job done over the Avs, and, and we'll find out. But it, it's been, hopefully the, the games are closer. The series were nice and tight, but hopefully the games are closer uh, in, in the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. And let's wrap up with a look at the PGA Championship coming up this week out at Southern Hills in Tulsa. Uh, the weather, I think, is going to be a major factor. It doesn't look particularly wet. I think there is a day, maybe it's Saturday, where there could be some thunderstorms. But it looks hot, which is another thing. that uh, This weekend in Baltimore, it looks like it's going to be smoking hot. 90 degrees, whatever it is. Um, great time to be wearing a suit. Uh, but a l- possibly a little bit of, of wet weather in, in Oklahoma. But more importantly, really, really hot and quite windy. you got a few days where the gusts are over 30 miles an hour. So, based on prior results at similar tracks, you know, my eye initially went to McElroy, and I know it's always dangerous with Rory over the past, you know, I mean, how many years has it been since he won a major? Seven, eight years. Um, but with the way he's played recently, he played really well down at uh, TPC Potomac there a couple of weeks ago. Uh, he played really well, we know, about the final round of the Masters. If he can avoid the slow start, he's in it with a big, big chance. But he's at 16 to 1. I think that's reasonable. My money is on Hideki Matsuyama to get his second major. Um, he played incredibly well at uh, Craig Ranch this weekend, especially on Sunday. And he's hit two of the better final hole shots. And I know the first one out, I believe, it was at Wiley was in a playoff, I think. Could be wrong. Somebody can correct me if I am. But he's hit two of the better fairway medals into a par five that I can remember, including that one on 18 yesterday, which he then makes an eagle, shoots 62, I think, to wrap things up, final round 62. Um, my, my reasoning, though, he has played very well on comparable courses to Southern Hills. 
if the wind blows, the one thing I have no concerns with him about is ball striking. Strikes the shit out of the thing. And yes, his putting is is not good. It's never been good. It's actually a little bit better this year than it has been in the past. But if he's if he can survive the wind and the conditions and the putter is decent. Never mind good, just decent. I think he's going to be right there. I think he's in good form, trending the right way. I'm hopeful this is a good little play. Uh, you know, you see, numbers are, are all over the place. I think I saw DraftKings earlier was 28. Uh, a couple other books have him at 33 to 1. Uh, but that's where I'm going to go. And I haven't put together a, a DraftKings lineup or anything like that. But purely from an outright betting standpoint, uh, I'm going to go with Hideki Matsuyama to win the PGA Championship this week. Um, Phil Mickelson withdrew i mean that you know all that stuff going on chaos crazy crazy stuff going on but uh yeah so i'm gonna go with hideki to get his second major in two years uh and you know we just ran down those things as far as hockey is concerned the nba baseball it's still early the red Sox are terrible that's not fun but you know what are you gonna do um and we've got big racing coming up this weekend if you have any thoughts on anything really anything suggestions thoughts random musings beneath the video player on youtube or on twitter at bernier underscore matt again i head to baltimore thursday we will be on air for the black eyed susan and the pimlico special on friday afternoon uh, and then we will be on all day on saturday uh, between cnbc and nbc peacock is in there as well for the preakness uh, we'll find out who gets the job done down there looking forward to Checking that out, I'll have write-ups for both the Black Eyed Susan and Preakness over on NBCSportsEdge.com. Uh, I will have hockey write-ups for the next two days, including uh, a preview of round two. So if you're looking to get involved, uh, be sure to go on over. Check those things out. You can follow me on Twitter at Bernie or underscore Matt. Please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to this thing. Uh, sorry for the hiatus. We're back. Hopefully, we'll be better than ever going forward. And again, if you've got any sort of ideas things that you want to hear more of, see more of, let me know. I'm, I'm all ears. I'm willing to make changes on the fly if it's something that the listeners and viewers want. So until next week, I'm going to come back and recap everything that happened at Pimlico this coming weekend. Best of luck however you play, whatever you play, and wherever you play. It's been episode 115 of the Matt Bernier Show.